This man kneeled on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Can you imagine that? This kid thought he was going to die. He knew he was going to die. He called for his mother. He called for his dead mother. I've only seen that once before in my life. My father, on his deathbed, called for his grandmother. When I watched that tape, I understood this man knew he was going to die. People watched it. People filmed it. And for some reason that I still don't understand, all these fucking police had their hands in their pockets. Who are you talking to? What are you signifying? That you can kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and feel like you wouldn't get the wrath of God. That's what is happening right now. It's not for a single cop, it's for all of it. Fucking all of it. I don't mean to get heavy, but we gotta say something. So there's a little different way to start the podcast right there. As many of you are awakened this morning, you see that Dave Chappelle has a new skit out there on Netflix. I call it a skit, excuse me. It's a comedy special uh, out there on Netflix. And I thought I'd open up there with a couple of minutes of that. I'll try to get a few more uh, as we wrap things up uh, later on today. And, and it just broke last night. And you know, we record the show here so early in the morning that. Uh, I haven't even got a chance to watch it in its entirety. That's just a little bit of what I've seen. And I thought, man, let me go ahead and hit record. Uh, so everybody listening to the podcast first thing this morning knows that it's available. If you've already been on social media, uh, you'll see that it is trending all over the place. Dave Chappelle, uh, he's coming for everybody uh, in this new one. And you hear uh, that's just a small, small taste of it. Obviously, no jokes in that particular portion of what I played, but... Uh, that's often what Chappelle does. That's often the way he lays things out. He doesn't lay things out in a joking manner. He lays things out in a way for you to think about something. And sometimes you just wind up thinking about it. And sometimes you wind up laughing at it. Uh, oftentimes you do both as he is uh, one of the greatest comedians uh, we have ever known. Uh, proper introduction. Welcome into the podcast with Damian Barling. The June 12th, the Friday, June 12th. We made it to a Friday, man. We made it to another. Uh, we made it through another week. And what a great couple of weeks it has been. Uh, here on the podcast, want to appreciate everybody who's downloaded a, a single episode. Want to appreciate everybody who's uh, downloaded a couple of episodes. Uh, want to appreciate everybody and thank everybody uh, who has tuned into this podcast for the first time over the course of the last couple of weeks. Appreciate everybody who's sending messages on social media, tagging me in Sports 1140, saying bring Damien back or bring the lowdown back or have Damien and Doug and doing all that stuff. And that's cool, man. That's cool to see. I don't think that that's anything that's going to happen. Uh, and, you know, I was looking at, you know, my, my man John sent a nice message on social media saying yesterday, well, I, I know why he doesn't have a bigger form, but I don't know why he doesn't have a bigger form. And I started to think about that for a minute. Just thinking about what KHTK is, thinking about what local radio is, particularly in this market. You know, if we I've used I've said this before, I said this earlier in the week, like if we were in San Francisco, it'd be different. But in Sacramento, I'm not confident that 
Sports Talk Radio in this market right now is bigger than this platform that we have. See, the beauty about this platform is we built it. Like, we certainly didn't build the podcast platform, but, you know, the thousands and thousands of people that have downloaded a podcast uh, from this network, from our network in the last two weeks, is pretty extraordinary. And I've said this to you before, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I'll put these numbers of downloads against any, you know, rating that ESPN 1320 or KHDK get. And over the last two weeks, I've realized, you know, this platform that we've built, and I can't stress this enough, this is a platform that we have built. Not me, but we collectively. You listening, you downloading, and you guys who are supporting over there on Patreon, you have allowed this platform to build. And I started to think, man, what can we do? Like, what's next? We had a, we had an amazing year where we really didn't re- kick the you know, the Patreon account into high gear until the year was almost over. I had had it up, but didn't know what to do with it. I had had, Chris, that was for you. I had had the the Patreon account up, but it it was just, you know, it's, it's there. Like, I don't know how to, I, I, I don't know how to add to it. I don't know what incentives to create. And now we've got all these incentives with be conscious and We've got these incentives with, you know, the, the, you know, early editions of relive and the wrestling podcast and all of these different things. I thought, man, what, what is next for us? What is next for our network here that we're creating? And I realized it's time to venture outside of my voice. It's time to create a network that encompasses other people who want to be journalists. Because if you want to be a journalist in 2020, if, if you want to be a, a broadcast journalist to steal a line from Bobby the Brain Heenan. If you want to be on the air, if you want to be a DJ, if you want to be a sports talk show host, you don't really have a path. There's no way for you to be heard. Because there's no internships anymore. Like the way I came up in in 2001, that path doesn't even exist today. So what can we do as a network? Well, we can create a path for people who want to be sports talk show hosts for people who want to be DJs at radio stations like the end or at KSFM or at V 101.1 or something along those lines or at 98 rock or at the Eagle or, or, or people who want to be, you know, on air on a music station anywhere. Thought, okay, that's what we're going to do. Then we're going to create that path that that is our next step on this platform. And if you've ever aspired you know, to, to host a podcast that centers on social issues or, or centers on sports or has centered on music or has centered on anything that you're passionate about, shoot me an email, DamienBarling at me.com. Let me know what you want to do. Let me know what you've done. Uh, let me know what steps you've taken uh, to, to, to create a career or, 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 or even a, a, a really elaborate hobby. I, I, I don't want people who just like to sit around and, and goof around and talk sports. I mean, people who really want an audience, people who want to communicate. Shoot me your info. Let's put something together. Because we've already started to build a team outside of this podcast. And the expansion of our network is going to allow voices in our community that never get to be heard to finally be heard. 
what we did in year one on this podcast is going to pale in comparison to what we did in year or to what we're going to do in year number two. Uh, let's move along here a little bit. There's a couple of stories I really want to dig in here to today, but uh, let's see if we can get uh, just a smidge bit more of, of Dave Chappelle here from his new comedy special, 846. He told the police he couldn't breathe. One of the hardest parts of the tape to listen to, he said, please, I can't tell you. As a man, watching another man go through something like that, what it makes you feel like. I didn't watch the tape for weeks, for a week. I didn't watch it. I knew, I saw a still picture. I said, I don't want to see this because I can't unsee it. But when I finally watched it, I understood nobody's going home. Anyone who sees this, well, they're going to be furious. Oh. So the other night, I'm in my little clubhouse, and I'm watching uh, Don Lemon, that hotbed of reality. He says, where are all these celebrities? Why aren't you talking? This nigga said everybody. I was screaming at the TV. I dare you to say me, nigga. I dare you. Has anyone ever listened to me do comedy? Have I not ever said anything about these things before? So now all of a sudden, this nigga expects me to step in front of the streets and talk over the work these people are doing as a celebrity? Ask me, do you wanna see a celebrity right now? Do we give a fuck what Ja Rule thinks? Does it matter about celebrity? No. This is the streets talking for themselves. They don't need me right now. I kept my mouth shut. And I'll still keep my mouth shut. But don't think that my silence is complicit of all the shit these niggas are saying, trying to get everyone to sing these fucking songs. I know all these songs. I was raised on these songs. Why would anyone care what their favorite comedian thinks after they saw a police officer kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. I can't get that number out of my head because it was my time of birth on my birth certificate. I was born at 8.46 in the morning and they killed this nigga in eight minutes and 46 seconds. I watch everything everybody says. I seen Candace Owens try to convince white America, don't worry about it, he's a criminal anyway. I don't give a fuck what this nigga did. I don't care what this nigga did. I don't care if he personally kicked Candace Owens in her stinky pussy. I don't know if it stinks, but I imagine it does. And if I ever find out, I'll let you know for sure. I'll tell like Azealia Banks, I'll tell. I'm the worst. I'll let that breathe right there. Probably, probably should have um, warned you uh, that I was going to play a, a decent amount of this 846. By the way, this isn't streaming off of Netflix. The, the, the comedy special in its entirety is available on Netflix, but it's also available on Twitter. It's available on uh, YouTube. It's available 
everywhere. The, it, it was officially released to the world for free. It wasn't officially released just through Netflix. So I don't want anybody to think we're, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're banking Chappelle out of some bread right here. This is available on every free platform uh, that is available right now. So if you're waking up and you're coming straight to the podcast, God bless you. We appreciate you so much. But once you hit social media, you're going to see Dave Chappelle trending all over the place. Uh, and that's why. It's because that comedy is special. 846 is available on YouTube. And I'm so hesitant to call it a comedy special. Obviously, Dave Chappelle is a comedian. Dave Chappelle talks. And it's so funny. We 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 did a show. I, th I think it, it, it was the Change Gonna Come show. That that was a that was a Saturday night that I was I was watching the same program. Uh, I was watching CNN the same time Dave Chappelle was because I was watching Don Lemon just name celebrity after celebrity. He was naming the ones who have spoken. He was naming the ones who haven't spoken or haven't done something. And I keep going back to Jay Z, man. And am, 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 am I am I wrong? Like, have I missed this? Has Jay Z said anything over the course of the last two weeks? And I've just missed it because if it's if if I did, then my bad. Could y'all fill me in? Shoot me the note, whatever it is. Nine one six eight 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 fifty eight ninety eight. If it was a tweet, if it was a pledge, like what like what is it? He's because remember it was Jay Z that said we're past kneeling. Remember it was Jay Z who said this isn't about getting Colin a job. Those were his words as he buddied up next to Roger Goodell and the rest of the NFL office. Now it appears, and I, again, I'm just looking at the surface stuff. I don't know the, I don't know the deep-rooted things here. I'm just looking at the surface. It appears that the NFL has also moved on from Jay-Z, along with a great portion of the black community who's sick of his shit. It appears that the NFL has moved on because the NFL, uh, you know, they, they did this video with Roger Goodell and in response to the video that those players put out and said that black lives matter and, the NFL wouldn't exist without black lives and we are condemning racism and they want to increase their, their social justice footprint. And they've got a, they've got a good one. I mean, financially, and let's, let's get this story first and then we'll get to the finance part. The NFL is donating $250 million over the course of the next 10 years as re was reported yesterday uh, by the undefeated. Uh, that commitment extends and expands the initial deal that owners struck with the Players Coalition uh, that was reported to be $90 million upon the formation of the Players Coalition. Uh, there, there are people within the group who have said that their donation has ex exceeded the $100 million mark. Um, now, the, now, the Players Coalition, for those who don't remember, that's the main group. That's the Malcolm Jenkins-led group. Uh, that was negotiated with owners on behalf of players when they began demonstrating uh, in 2016, specifically when Colin Kaepernick began demonstrating in 2016. For reasons known only to them, Colin Kaepernick isn't a part of this group in the way that I've read it from Howard Bryant, who I believe is the definitive source on these types of things. He said Cap didn't want to be a part of it for the simple reason, I know this is shocking, he didn't trust the NFL. He didn't trust the NFL to put his name on a social justice initiative when he didn't believe that the NFL was about social justice. So think about this for a minute. Think about the fact that in 2016, NFL players formed this players coalition. And the NFL made this big commitment to social injustice. They made this big commitment to social issues. God, on the surface, it seems cool. And I do believe there is a place for money in this conversation, and I'll explain that in a minute. 
But yet here we are four years later, and they seem to be making a definitively more strong stance, a, a, a definitively stronger stance against racism and social injustices. And now they're throwing $250 million into the pot here over the course of a 10-year period, of course. So it's like, huh. You go back to 2016, you form this Players Coalition, you throw a whole bunch of money at it. It's like, okay, there was no Black Lives Matter statement four years ago. There was no condemning of racism four years ago. There was no acknowledgement that racism exists in the NFL. Now, you've had to have the oldest coach in the league acknowledge, yeah, I spoke about my experiences, but that was probably a really dumb thing to do. It's clear the NFL has been riddled uh, with racism and, and, and racial issues for decades. Oh, now all of a sudden the NFL is, is making a commitment to acknowledge what we have all known for a very, very long time, and I find that fascinating. I find it fascinating because I'm trying to figure out what all of this actually means. So you look at the $250, $250 million, and a lot of people will say, well, you're throwing money at a problem. Yes, you are throwing money at a problem. And in some senses, that's okay. It's okay to throw money at certain problems. You could throw money at a racism problem. It, it ain't going to do anything. No amount of money is going to cure racism. You could have given uh, them old McMichael boys in Georgia $100 million each. I guarantee you they couldn't go a month without saying the N-word. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to tell someone who has that type of racism rooted so deep into them uh, that, here, I'll give you a certain amount of money. All you have to do is not be racist. You can't buy people's heart. You know what I mean? Like, you can't buy what's in their heart. And racism is something that is, you know, it's it, it's in your heart. It's in your genetic makeup. We, we, we talked about that a couple of days ago. It is the strongest genetic gene on the planet Oh, skinny, fat, blonde hair, curly hair, blue eyes, brown mm Racism. That shit goes from generation to generation to generation. It is handed down and it is taught. That's why racism is never going to go away. However, all of these money, all of this money that these corporations are throwing at the problem of racism, they're throwing at the systematic problem of racism, and that, that is where the money comes into play. $250 million, where is that money going? $100 million for Michael Jordan over the course of the next 10 years, where is that money going? If it's going to, you know, there are people who don't understand the concept of systematic racism. They don't, don't understand the, you know, the differences in which, you know, schools, uh, you know, the, the black kids and white kids and in, in which the types of schools that they go to and what some of these neighborhoods are like. And, you know, we just we, we, we talked about the, the, the systematic. I, I don't think the broadcast industry is built on systematic racism by any stretch of the imagination. But I do look around and realize, well, there's no there's no black broadcasters in our area. And the one that we have is a former basketball player. I got to look around and I go do. You know, it's it's kind of what I was just saying to you a moment ago. The path that I took to being on the ra- the radio at, at, at different stations here is a path that no longer exists. And I don't know that it exists because of, you know, a systematic issue or a systematic racism problem. I, I don't think that's the case. I think the system is a problem, 
right? So we have to break that system. We were talking about, uh, uh, you know, where is this money going to go? I've got to raise money for this plan that I'm talking about. I've got to raise money. I've got to figure out someone who wants to throw their money behind a, a, a program that teaches young broadcasters, that gives broadcasters real life broadcasting experience in real life radio stations. I got to find money for that. It's a systematic problem. So if the NFL and Michael Jordan, all of these businesses put put out these statements about Black Lives Matter, if they're throwing this money at at entities that can help break the systematic issues, we're in good shape. Make make schools and poor black neighborhoods better. So it's not 40 freaking kids per teacher. Access to tutors and iPads and computers and things that they normally don't have access to. Do that. That's how this money breaks the systematic problem. And it, and it is, I mean, in $250 million isn't enough to do it. Darwin Jordan's money, $350 million isn't enough to do it. That's why people need to hold, you know, Amazon's feet to the fire and, and Lyft and Postmates and every single company that put out some sort of Black Lives Matter statement. Every single company that seemed to have wanted to jump in on the trend and say, yes, Black Lives Matter and throw their fist in the air. Cool. Open your checkbook. Open your checkbook because if they really do, if black lives really matter to you, well, let's invest. Let's invest in black lives. Let's invest in black schools. Let's invest in some of these poor black neighborhoods. I'm building out next week's Be Conscious, man, and they're going to be something. They're going to be something. Next Friday is Juneteenth. Next Friday, of course, is the day that the first political rally since COVID-19 is being held. It's being held in Tulsa. If you just became familiar with Black Wall Street a couple of days ago, if you just became familiar with Black Wall Street a couple of weeks ago, it is astonishing. And don't ever fool yourself into believing that this is an accident. That Black Wall Street is being discussed in mainstream media for the very first time in my lifetime with over the course, you know, over the course of the last couple of weeks. And Donald Trump is holding his first political rally in Tulsa on Juneteenth. You don't know what Juneteenth is. It's the day that uh, slavery, like the Emancipation Proclamation, was was issued in 1963. But slavery continued in Texas until 1965. And it wasn't until 1965 that all slaves in Texas were free. That was the last state to free the slaves. 1965, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, was when slavery officially ended. June. 19th, 1865. I feel like I might have said 1965, though it feels like that would be accurate. June 19th, 1865. Don't, don't, don't ever fool yourself into believing that this stuff that is going on from the White House is an accident. Sometimes when you connect dots, you see things that are pretty uncomfortable. There's a, a GoFundMe page that some of you are familiar with. And I'll allow you to do the investigating for yourself. But there are some real ugly dots that you can start to connect on that GoFundMe page. Go see if you can find it if it's still up. Because remember, it was going to be taken down. I ain't even going to say the dude's name anymore. Go look at it. Go see if it's still up. Investigate it a little bit. Look at who created it. Look at the details in the, in the description of the GoFundMe page. Look at the top donor. 
When you look at the top donor, go find the top donor on Twitter. Man, boy, it's, 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 those are, those are dots that get connected. And once you connect them, you get to a destination. Can't ignore the destination once you get there. That's what's happening in the White House. You can connect all these dots. Oh, this is a, this is a coincidence. This is a coincidence. Fuck off. It ain't a coincidence. We know what you're doing. The question is, does it matter? Does it matter enough to young black people to go out and vote? Does it matter enough for young black women, for young minorities, period, to go out and vote? Is all of these people who are screaming black lives matter, are they offended enough by what's going on in the White House to go vote for Joe Biden? Get off of this. It's the, be- it's the, it's the, it's the best of two evils. People have been, or it, it, what is it? Yeah, the best of, just, we, we know they both suck, but just pick the best one. I know there's a saying in there somewhere, but for some reason I, I can't catch it. Don't, don't fool yourself into believing that. There is one goal, one, and it's getting that shithead out of office. This is a fired up Friday. Maybe we should put a par- parental advisory label on Friday shows from now on. That should be the one mission. The only mission out there. That should be the one. But everybody wants to take ownership of stuff, and ultimately we can't get it out of our own way when we're trying to organize different things. That's why I admire that clip we just played from Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle said, who cares what I got to say? The streets is talking. They don't need to hear from me. It's great that the streets are talking. The streets need to make sure that they get out and vote. Otherwise, we're just going to go through four more years of this stuff, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Imagine what Donald Trump will do when he doesn't even have to think about a re-election. Donald Trump won't give a shit if the candidate he supports get elected in, in, into office in 2024. 20, he, he won't care about anything. He will have been made a two-term president. On November 4th, he won't have a single solitary thing to worry about for four straight years. He will be a president who has been impeached and got reelected. That's how strong racism is in this country. Because there really is. Unless you're a billionaire. And if you're a billionaire listening to this, one, uh, I've got a new program I think you'd like to support. And two, I, I kind of get why you support Donald Trump. Because he makes things easy for you. He makes things harder for us. But if you're a billionaire and you happen to be listening to the show, imagine the odds. He makes things very easy for you. But he seems to cater to it. You know, Donald Trump is like the, it's like the owner mentality. It's, it's like the fans who support owners versus players. But you realize that owner has been screwing you for years. But you just can't bring yourself to support the player. It's like people who are mad at Major League Baseball players. By the way, there is plenty of room to be mad at both of those entities because they both seem to be operating with their heads firmly planted up their butts. Rob Manfred, there's 100% going to be a baseball season. Like, yeah, is that right, fam? Because it sure doesn't look like it. But people who support the owner over the player, I always find it fascinating. Now, that's a that's a pretty blanket remark because there are times, I'm sure, where you should support, uh, you know, an, an, an owner over a player or, or particularly, you know, a, a group of owners over a player. I can't think of one. But most of us are employers or employees, I should say. Most of us are employees, and even if we are an employer, we're probably not to the magnitude of operating a billion-dollar company. And if you are, 
I've got a program you might want to invest into. Email me. And now we're starting to get these stories. Like, I love Pete Carroll. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Pete Carroll. I appreciate him more, more as an NFL coach than I do a college coach. Um, and you know I'm a fan of Russell Wilson. I was high on the Seahawks last year. But Pete Carroll said yesterday he regrets not signing Colin Kaepernick in 2017. And it was like, all right, Pete, like, why are we doing this? Like, what, what, what are you talking about? And and what like and and what I wanted him to say, and if he said it, it wasn't reported in the particular article I read because I did, I couldn't find the video conference in our I couldn't find the you know, an archive of the video conference that he did yesterday. But Pete Carroll was talking about him regretting not signing Colin Kaepernick in 2017, and what I was hoping he would say is, "Well, I regret that we didn't sign him because he would have helped us win." I was hoping he'd say, well, we, we, we could have used him. We, we, we could have used him in, in, in certain situations. We probably could have, uh, you know, uh, taken a, a little bit of the load off who, you know, there is no player. If efficiency, if, if usage rate was a thing in the NFL like it is the NBA, nobody in the NFL had a higher usage rate over like a three-year stretch than Russell Wilson did for the Seattle Seahawks. So if he would have said, you know, I, I think we could have run our normal system. I think we could have run everything we do with Russ with cap and we could have given Russ some time off. And maybe that would have made him a little bit fresher for the playoffs. Maybe that would have kept him in a little bit, you know, a, a, a better position to succeed in those final games of the season. But no, there was nothing like that in there. It was more like, eh, he was good enough. I thought he was, you know, I thought he was more capable of being a starter. Uh, but man, he's just really been on the right side of history with this. It's like, oh, so you wanted to sign him so you look better. Like this perception that Cap's not a good quarterback is amazing to me. As if like the 49ers were really, really good and he just crapped the bed. Now the 49ers sucked. Like from top to bottom, the 49ers sucked. And Cap was coming off injuries. He was trying, you know, when he came back from those injuries and they restructured his contract and he played his final games with the 49ers, he didn't play that bad. At all. I mean, you look around and you see some of these starting quarterbacks in the NFL. You see the rope that Mitchell Trubisky got to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Come on, man. Cap got the leash. Qu- he, all right. Well, he's done. With, he's done in the league. And we're supposed to believe that, this, that, that that's all because of his play. Stop it. And I was disappointed in Pete Carroll yesterday saying that. Not disappointed that he said he he, he wanted to sign him in 2017. Or Sorry. Not disappointed that he said he should have signed him in 2017. But disappointed that he didn't say it for a football reason. It's what we were talking about the other day. Don't make Cap a, a, like a, a comfy signing that makes everybody happy. Don't, don't make it this, this, this gesture for racial equality. Like sign him because you think he can help you. I don't know that Cap wants to join a team just because he wants to soothe racial tensions in the country. Dude clearly can still be a quarterback. We saw him work out, what, like a year ago? You looking at that dude, you telling me that that doesn't look like a football player? You're looking at that dude and telling me he can at least get in there and take some snaps in the game and, and be effective? Okay, all right, Pete. Well, what about now? It's 2020. It's never too late. What does Pete Carroll say? I like our setup right now. Pete, I love the way Gino fits together in our role and all that. It's 
It's not really available for us at this time. But I wouldn't hesitate. I've said this for years. If Russ ever got tangled up and couldn't play or something, Cap would have been an extraordinary candidate to take over because of the dynamics of his play. We've always really cherished the unique qualities that players bring, and he had a unique style that we couldn't have respected more. But as the backup, I hope he's going to get a chance to do that because he really deserves to be playing. So to recap, Pete Carroll regrets not signing Colin Kaepernick in 2017. However, in 2020, Pete Carroll believes that if Russell Wilson ever got hurt, that Cap would be an extraordinary candidate to take over. However, he says, no, I like our setup. We're good right now because we have Geno. And for those of you who can't quite place, wait, who is Geno? Who is Geno? Pete Carroll is talking about Geno Smith. Geno Smith. All right, Pete. Oh, he also dropped another gem in there. Uh, let me find it. Um, he said he spoke to, he said, and it was, it, was, it was almost like unbelievable. It was like, Pete, now you're really making stuff up. He said uh, someone called him earlier in the day and was asking about Colin Kaepernick. So what Pete Carroll wants us to believe is... Yesterday, on June 11th, 2020, somebody called him, Pete Carroll, somebody called him and asked him about Colin Kaepernick. Pete Carroll never coached Colin Kaepernick. He worked him out one time three years ago. But a team, according to Pete Carroll, a team in the league reached out to him and asked him about Colin Kaepernick. We were just talking about connecting the dots. Could you connect the dots for me on this one? Because it, it's not working for me. I don't know where our destination here is with this one. Why would a coach or a general manager or a scout or virtually anybody call Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll offers the best evaluation of Colin Kaepernick. He put him through one workout. There's actually, we don't even know if he did work out. We know that Pete Carroll spoke to him, and I believe they had an in-person meeting. If I understand correctly, Colin Kaepernick met with the Seattle Seahawks, and that's the only team that he met with in person following the 2016 season, 2016-17 season. So a team called him and was like, hey, what was Cap like three freaking years ago? Okay, that's interesting. I don't know why, but that's interesting. Let's stick with football. We'll shift to uh, the NBA here in just a minute. I uh, want to remind you that the latest episode of Relive is available for you right now on the very same podcast platform that you are listening to this one on. It doesn't matter if it's radio.com, Spotify, Google Play, whatever it is. Just search Relive with Damian Barling, and you can relive John Cena versus CM Punk at Money in the Bank 2011 in Chicago, that famous night that all of Chicago was behind their hometown kid, CM Punk, and he took the WWE Championship, went home, and put it into his refrigerator. We break down all of the events. If you hadn't had an opportunity to listen to an episode of Relive yet, we break down all of the events leading into the match, and we try to tell the story of what came out of the match. And Punk's 
case, it's really difficult to tell the story of CM Punk and that Money in the Bank match in Chicago without uh, following it up and going all the way to the moment that he walked out the door the day after the Royal Rumble in 2014. And as I started to put that episode together, I realized it wasn't that difficult. It wasn't that difficult to see why things went so poorly for him over the course of the next three years. Uh, it's a it's an episode I had a lot of fun putting together. I, I, I actually really enjoy putting all of these episodes together. It's a great opportunity to go back and relive some of the, the, the biggest moments in wrestling history. I love some of the suggestions that have come in for episodes. I've actually implemented many of those uh, suggestions into season number two. Uh, so this there's some good stuff ahead. Uh, I really think that the episode that's going to drop on Wednesday is the best one that I have completed so far. And I've got about five of the 12 done. And the next episode, season number three, is the best to date. It's the best to date in the sense that I really started to get a feel for what I wanted this podcast to sound like. Like if you listen to episode number one, you see that episode number two would evolved a little bit. There were just a couple of changes. In episode number three, you really start to see more changes and you kind of start to see what this podcast is going to be moving forward. And I implemented that into season, uh, episode number four and episode number five. And I, and, and I think the, the show is really taking shape and I can't wait for you to uh, listen to it. If you haven't yet, again, Relive available uh, anywhere that you get podcasts from. John Harbaugh voiced his frustrations on Thursday over the guidelines sent to the 32 NFL teams outlining procedures for the uh, opening or the reopening, I guess, of their practice facilities. Of course, the practice facilities have been closed uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic. And speaking to 100.5, excuse me, 105.7, the fan, John Harbaugh said, I've seen all the memos on that. And to be quite honest with you, it's impossible what they're asking us to do. Humanely impossible. So we're going to do everything we can. We're going to space. We're going to have masks. But, you know, it's... It's a communication sport. We have to be able to communicate with each other in person. We have to practice. I'm pretty sure the huddle is not going to be six feet spaced. Are you going to shower one at a time all day? Are you are guys going to lift weights one at a time all day? These are things the league and the Players Association needs to get a handle on and needs to get agreed with some common sense so we can operate in a 13-hour day in training camp that they're giving us and get our work done. That's the one thing uh, you can tell by my voice. I'm a little frustrated uh, with what I'm hearing, and I think they need to get that pinned down a little bit better. So Harbaugh is the first person we've heard say it. We've seen these memos go out, or we've seen uh, leaked versions of these memos get out to the media, and, and, and it really didn't feel like a big deal at first. It's like, yeah, of course, the NFL is going to implement, you know, social distancing procedures. They're going to, you know, uh, they're going to implement, you know, procedures put out there by the CDC. Like, of course, it all makes sense. But now as we're getting closer and closer and closer to training camp start starting, it's all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I don't know how practical any of this is. And everything Harbaugh says right there makes sense. And the NFL right now has absolutely as coronavirus as as coronavirus cases soar around the country. I mean, they are skyrocketing. And, you know, I guess we've moved on from COVID-19 and we're just kind of shrugging our shoulders like, eh, whatever. 
as they soar across the country, the NFL is looking at like, well, how are we going to get this season played? Like, how are we going to get practice started? How are we going to do all this? And nothing that the NFL is doing is leading anyone to believe that there's going to be any sort of hang-ups, any sort of change, not even in training camp. I just read an article yesterday from, I think it was the big lead, that HBO, the NFL, they're gearing up for hard knocks. They're, like, they're, they're, they're ready. They're preparing. They're, they're, they're getting ready for, you know, whether it's the cameraman, you know, having to wear masks, which almost that's going to be something they have to do. They're going to be ha- have to be, you know, masks and gloves, camera and mic men and different things like that. And they're, they're gearing up. Ain't nothing going to be, ain't nothing going to be different with, with, with the NFL. Not even training camp, not even hard knocks. They're ready. They don't care what COVID-19 cases look like across the country. They're ready for some football. And they are not, they are going to limit because they're going to lose money. They can't fill a stadium up to 100% capacity. So they're going to, you know, lose some money off of their bottom line. But the NFL is going to go out of their way to make sure that they lose as absolutely little as possible. Their losses are going to be a fraction of what Major League Baseball and the NFL, or the NBA, excuse me, have experienced over the course of the last couple of months. Speaking of, the National Basketball Association. Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski reported yesterday for ESPN that the NBA is trying to put together this upcoming schedule with uh, the belief that they get as many teams out of there as quickly as possible. Uh, So we know that 22 teams are are headed to Orlando. I think there was even a report they were going to bump up the start date by a day. I think I saw some from Woj yesterday. They said they were trying to move the, the start date from July 31st to July 30th, which is awesome because I, I, I thought I had been saying July 30th the whole time. Maybe it was a premonition in my head, or maybe I just can't read the notes that I put directly in front of me. But that was, you know, that was something that was talked about yesterday. But what was talked about in greater detail was they're trying to get as many teams as out of there, out of there as quickly as possible. So, the idea is they want to build out the schedule that includes the regular season, the play-in game, and the first round of the playoffs with the hopes that they can get 14 teams eliminated within the first 53 days of arriving. And then that will leave uh, just four teams the remaining 67 days. Actually, that, that, that wouldn't even be the first round. That would take you through the first couple of rounds of the playoffs. We're, I mean, when, when this season starts, man, we're in an all-out sprint to crown an NBA champion. The NBA is going to be rushing out there like, let's get the job done. Let's get it done as quickly as possible. Let's give out this damn Larry O'Brien trophy, and let's get out of here. So to have uh, that's that's an aggressive schedule. Like, we're going to be, we're, we're talking every other day for teams. For and I heard that would be the case through the first two weeks, like the 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 eight games, the regular season games, it would be every other day. Once uh, once the training camp and 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 resumption of the regular season began, be every other day, and it feels like that's going to be the case with the playoffs, which it it makes sense just because you don't have the you don't have the pains of traveling anymore. And there's, it's going to be weird, I think, for teams because there's really no firm start time for games. I mean, there is, I mean, there there is, because you, but 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 there isn't. Like there's there's four hour windows 
you know, to account for overtime and then the time it takes to like clean the court and all of that stuff. So if a game starts at, you know, say, you know, four o'clock our time here in California, the next game is scheduled to start at eight. Probably pretty comfortable in the thinking that even if a game goes to overtime, you'll be able to be off the court by eight o'clock and have it all cleaned. But they're not going to be able to be out there and warming up. You know what I mean? Like it's it's going to be an adjustment for everybody. It's going to be an adjustment for however the TV is done. It's going to be an adjustment for all of the players. Uh, it's going to be an adjustment for the coaches. It's going to be an adjustment for the fans. Like everything about this is going to be different. This is going to be unlike anything we have ever seen before. And to see a fast and furious pace of getting as many teams out of Orlando as quickly as possible, it, it, it's going to be something. Because it's like the first round is going to start. But, you know, the playoffs usually start in, what, April? And then the NBA Finals don't end until June. Like, the playoffs go on forever. Not this year. They want to get this over with, and they want to crown an NBA champion as quickly as possible before something just awful happens and torpedoes this whole thing. Uh, let's check in before we wrap up here for the week. Uh, let's hear more from Dave Chappelle's newest bit. Again, this is available uh, on YouTube. It's it's a Netflix comedy special uh, from Dave Chappelle, uh, but you're going to see it all over social media. But I know why. I figured out why they want to hear from me, and it's serious. The only reason people want to hear from people like me is because you trust me. You don't expect me to be perfect, but I don't lie to you. I'm just a guy, and I don't lie to you. And every institution, every institution that we trust lies to us. How come they never talk about Chris Donner? That's a story about a man who believed he did everything right. Do you know who Chris Dorner is? Well, Chris Dorner, if you remember, was an African-American police officer in the LAPD. He was executing a warrant with his partner, who was a white woman. And white women, I support you, but boy, if y'all don't shut the fuck up. During the process of executing this warrant, this white woman uh, did what Chris Dorner thought was excessive force. I don't know what she did. She kicked a motherfucker that was handcuffed or hit a guy that was handcuffed or something. But Chris Dorner, the black police officer who watched this white woman do this, reported this to his superior, made a formal complaint, and was subsequently fired from the LAPD. He went through the system. He took every legal avenue that he believed he had to get reinstated, and he was not reinstated. And when his last appeal was finished, this motherfucker, some wild shit, wrote a manifesto. You know where this is going. And in that manifesto, he called me a genius. Me, Dave Chappelle. Not just me, but me. He said, Kevin Hart fan too. <laughs> but he called me a genius and he told Brad Bradley Cooper, who's a friend of mine, don't do any more hangovers, nigga, that's enough. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. 
And he told his story. Chris Dorna told his story, how he did everything right when he was in the military and subsequently everything else. This is before any of this shit happened. And then he said, which was the wildest thing, he said, I'm going to wage asymmetrical war on the LA Police Department and their families. What's well, an ominous thing to say. And he did it. This motherfucker ambushed two police officers who were just sitting in their squad car, murdered them. He went to another police officer's house and killed his daughter. Boy, it was terrifying. And this motherfucker was on the run. He was doing it. I was supposed to do the Grammys. I was supposed to present at the Grammys that week. And a guy from the LAPD called me and said, Mr. Chappelle, we understand you're coming to Los Angeles. And I don't know if you know, but there was a lunatic on the streets who was killing police officers. And, and we would like to know if we can pick you up at the airport. We're extending this courtesy to everyone he mentioned in his manifesto. And I told the police, I'm fine. I read the manifesto. He likes me. <laughs> Is there anything I can do for you, nigga? Because I'd be very worried. <laughs> they found him. Big Bear. He was hiding in a cabin. When they figured out what this nigga was, no less than 400 police officers showed up and answered the call. And boy, let me tell you something. They Swiss cheese this nigga. He is dead as dead could be. He is done. And you know why 400 cops showed up? Because one of their own was murdered. So how the fuck can't they understand what's going on in these streets? We saw ourselves like you see yourself. It wasn't the only one. Go out of your way to see this. Uh, it's actually very easily available for you. It is a new Netflix special with Dave Chappelle called 846. You'll see it all over Twitter. You'll see it. All, as a matter of fact, I'll just uh, retweet the link right now so you can go straight to my Twitter account and see it. It's available on YouTube. It's available everywhere. It's available free for everybody. Dave Chappelle, 846. Thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you for all the support that you show. If you want to support the show financially, you can go to patreon.com slash Damien Barling. Uh, we make it. Uh, we make it uh, worth your while, though. There's tons of extra podcasts there for you, tons of extra content, including our weekly wrestling edition of the podcast, which is going to be available later on this morning. So if you want to go check out that, you want to find out more about how you can support us here on the podcast, go to patreon.com slash Damien Barling. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. And we will see you here Monday on the podcast with Damien Barling.